0: You want to try to go for as sure a bed as possible. So you do your homework and you, you don't you don't get too big. And that's one of the, the the issues that that you get with developing. It's very easy to bite off more than you can chew.
1: You are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas, and inspiration to help take your
0: developing to the next level. Now here's your host, Justin Getty.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 95 of the show. Thanks for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Got a great show coming up for you today with an international guest talking about developing property in the Caribbean. Before we get to that, here's a quick update on how things are going with my projects. The roof is finally going on on the townhouses at Cambridge Road, which will be great. As they can finally be protected from all the rain we've been having in melbourne it's been so wet the last few months it's been crazy work is underway with the external cladding and windows and fingers crossed for lockup before the end of the year it's been a painfully slow 12 months on the build and i really expected to be much further on than what we are but That seems to be a common challenge with building at the moment, so I'm just having to roll with it. On my other project, we finally submitted our town planning application, so now we sit back and wait to see what council comes back with. No doubt there'll be some sort of laundry list of issues we need to address, but we'll find out soon enough, hopefully, although I've heard there's been long delays with council planning areas as well. Otherwise, the end of the year is fast approaching and what an unusual year it's been. Started off with low interest rates and a buoyant market and finishes with high inflation, escalating bill costs and softening prices in many markets. I'm sure next year will be just as dynamic in the property industry and I'm very confident that most of our markets will hold up okay through 2023. Speaking of next year, I'm offering an interview special on the Property Developer Training. So, if you'd like to take advantage of that, then head over to www.propertydevelopertraining.com and use the code XMAS until the 25th of December to get a juicy discount. There's still loads of people joining up, so get on board and you can check out everything that's on offer at propertydevelopertraining.com. And that includes the new training course that I added to the program called taking it to the next level for people who may want to go full time. So there's even more value inside the training now. So don't wait another year to get started on something you'd love to do. I've also got a little Christmas promo on my book so that you can gift it to all the people you know that have an interest in property developing head to www.propertydeveloperpodcast.com forward slash book and use the code Xmas for a cheeky little end of year discount. Okay, on with the show. As I mentioned, I've got a great guest for you, Anselm Mathurin, who is a Caribbean-based property developer with a terrific story to share about following a dream and learning along the way. Like most property developers, Anselm has faced some challenges in getting his projects out of the ground, including having to relocate from his home on another island to be closer to the development site when things started going off track. He shares with us how taking effective control of a project can lead to significant savings, how experience shapes how you view potential yields from a site and how targeting a very niche market can be an astute strategy for selling your product. I am sure you will enjoy this chat with Anselm and appreciate how he has adapted and evolved along the way. So, let's find out what the favourite food of a man from the Caribbean might be.
0: Uh, Seafood Alfredo. I love seafood. Seafood Alfredo. It's my comfort food. I, I do it often because... It's you a bit fat, but but it's it's satisfying just well given
1: crazy. given that you live on a small island, I'm guessing that access to lovely, fresh seafood is not a big problem for you.
0: It is not. No, it is not. It's not. <laughs> price pricing else because lobster is pretty expensive, but no, but it's it's accessible.
1: Oh, very good. Is there a particular type of seafood that you like to put in the Alfredo? I
0: enjoy a lobster. Um Jumbo shrimp, of course, uh, shelled and bee vein, uh scallops. And if you get lucky, you might get some mussels in there.
1: Oh, you've definitely got the fine taste of a property developer. <laughs> I don't
0: know what I just said? <laughs> it's so we have a lot of seafood. <laughs> All
1: right, well, as we've already uh, suggested, you're from a small Caribbean island called St. Lucia. You're our first Caribbean guest on the show, so that's exciting. But before we talk about property developing in St. Lucia and the Caribbean, give us a bit of a sense of St. Lucia, the size, you know, the, what's the economy like, and then we'll get into property.
0: Yeah, St. Lucia is uh, central uh, Los Angeles, that's uh, north of Venezuela, north of uh, Trinidad and Tobago. South of Dominica, uh, south of Martinique, that uh, big French, uh, French dependency. Um, our population is about 181,000, uh, largely agrarian, historically an agrarian economy, bananas, but, uh, with, uh, fair trade and, uh, U.S. policies, you know, we lost our preferential access to the UK market. And so we've, we've had to diversify into tourism. So tourism is our biggest, uh, income earner. And followed by uh, real estate and construction. Um, primarily, we 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 Catholic, even though we're British, uh, from a British colony, uh, we have an interest in history. Uh, seven times British, seven times French. Fourteen major colonial battles, and the last one, uh, England won. Uh, we've always wanted. Some of us, you know, had the French won. Justin, we'd have free college, free university. Now we have to pay for that. But, uh, the influence of the French has shaped a lot of the names of, of our people. My, my surname, um, Maturin. uh, Creole is, is a, a spoken dialect, uh, most like the Seychelles, and some of them, I think Mauritius as well. And, um, the street, street names and, and cities and towns names, uh, have a French influence and French history.
1: Very exciting. Sounds quite exotic. And then you mentioned real estate and construction is a big part it, of the economy.
0: It's the second uh, biggest income earner over the last uh, five, seven years. Uh, a lot of development happening, um, commercial uh, as well as uh, speculative uh, residential and hotels, of course, because we don't have enough, enough uh, rooms for the demand. St. Lucia has the uh, notoriety, I think, of of uh, having won the most romantic, I uh, think, number one number one honeymoon destination for twelve or thirteen consecutive years. So we're very popular.
1: Oh well, hopefully my wife isn't listening to this episode because then she'll be wondering why I didn't take her there for our honeymoon. But anyhow,
0: now you know you didn't know, but now you know.
1: Uh, maybe for the next anniversary. Re-
0: renewal of vows, Justin. Yeah, renewal that's of vows. Right. We'll take care of you.
1: Okay, well before we move further into property in St. Lucia, give us a bit of a background of yourself and how you got into property development and property investing. Uh,
0: Justin, I, I I got into uh I'll probably tell you about myself. Um I've been in telecoms for about 25 years. Uh when I came from grad school. A lot, a lot, like like your background um, in comms. Um, I was interested in, in in marketing, but not the what I call the colors on crayons. So I wasn't interested in, in in the communication part of it. I was interested in the uh, decision making theory of customers, uh, the cognitive reasoning, what made them buy, um, and how could that be profitable for businesses. So I was interested in the in the numbers part of marketing, uh, product development, product profitability. Uh, And that's how I got into into, uh, telecoms. I wanted to work for the largest company on the island. And at the time, uh, you would know this company, I think Cable & Wireless, they're a global uh, multinational company. Um, And they pretty much had the monopoly in the entire Caribbean for the last 100 years until it it became deregulated about 15 years ago.
1: And then your move into property was a side project, was it?
0: Yeah, so... So um, we, we, we built our first house. Typically in the Caribbean, um, most people, unlike a lot of the developed markets, we don't we don't buy houses. We build, get a plot of land and we build our homes. And of course, uh, for 99% of us, you build one house in your lifetime, the most significant investment you will ever make, and you die in that house and you pass it on to your children. Um, and so uh, we build this house. They were married, um, and we wanted to, I wanted to have a comfortable space. So there was three levels, and the bottom level, I, I left just in for my man cave. I bought a pool table from the U.S., uh, and um I had a very good friend. He was doing property development, one house, just small houses, building them, living them, and selling them. And he told me I was mad. The man cave concept is an American concept and we don't have the luxuries in our small economies to have a man cave. I should put an apartment. I said, okay. Um, I saw what he was doing. I, I went to get an apartment, went for a loan. Uh, we required $100,000 for the apartment and the pool. Because remember, we, we had the slab because uh, it was it was like the basement. Um, and went to the bank and they said, my mortgage is going, mortgage is going to increase by $69. I was like, what? I never really checked about mortgages before. You're just working, you're just happy to deal at home with your wife. It so, is only $69 more. How much am I already paid for my entire mortgage? He was very reluctant. Eventually, he told me when I threatened to go to his boss. And I found out for the first time at the age maybe of what 31, 32, that we typically pay up to three times the principal. And that was a shocker to me. I I to, went to research and reading books. Of course, it's cliche. But Robert Kiyosaki. Once you read for the cash flow quadrant, it changes you, and, and that's what happened. And so we built it we rented it, and the apartment covered about 50% of the mortgage. And I got to like that, Justin. I, I like that breather. 50% of your mortgage, I'm living upstairs, I'm comfortable, and there's different access um, for for the tenant. A lot of people complain about um, having people around them in their space and that's one of the reasons they don't want people to live on their premises. But I, it was the park below the access and I never saw the tenant. But I got a taste of it and I just got, got on to reading some more and more and more.
1: And are you still in that house?
0: No, Justin. Um, <laughs> while we were in the house, you know, I started looking for property Um, I like the, I created a criteria because I, I too was, I was afraid of, of, you know, having a mortgage like this. Now, before all of this was happening, I was a property investor, you know, unbeknownst to me, not actively. Um was buying pieces of land for later on. A lot of Caribbean people have this um, romantic notion that we're going to buy land for later on and then um, we're going to build apartments when we get old. And so I was just, just buying pieces of land. At the time, if you work for the only monopoly or one of the two monopolies on the island, your job was seen as a job for life and fairly secure. And so when you went to the bank, you got loans like within five days for land. And uh, I got into up one where I had something like four or five pieces of land. Uh, and I was trying to get a mortgage on this one piece. I wanted one piece. And uh, the bank said, no, your." Your debt service ratio in the Caribbean, it mustn't be more than forty percent. In other words, you know, the debt that you have must not be more than forty percent of your salary. So I decided to um migrate, look for a job within another island or So I with my wife she, and and uh, I moved to an island tax-free um to get a, to build that first block of uh, four units. But it wasn't as easy. Because the tables turned, in the past when you worked for the monopoly uh, on maybe one of the biggest uh, companies on Iceland, early secure at that time regulation started happening, the world was moving away from monopolies. Um, and you know maybe I don't know what it, t- it tells you, you know how long Telstra was a monopoly for. But then you know certainly when I went back to the bank, I made this sacrifice. I moved to an island, left my wife and daughter back home uh to qualify for that loan and the bank suddenly said both yourself and your wife work for that same company um as executives and they are now at risk of you know letting go uh, staff staff because- carrying costs and because now they have competition so tables were turned just and i couldn't get the loan and uh, i was suffering where i was with my family two years uh different market uh, different culture. People at the time, people didn't look kindly, you know, for Caribbean nationals, Caribbean expats, you know, coming into the market because they saw you as just taking the box as opposed to to adding value. It was very hard. Two years, and uh, I think I came every six weeks, and uh, I met a friend of mine. He told me, you know, there's this new bank, you know, that was offering new new products, and so. I went to them, and they said, "Okay, we'll give you a loan, but it's a commercial loan because now you're speculating." Because I had one mortgage already, uh, my mortgage rate at, at the time was seven point two five, and this guy's wanted to charge me like twelve percent. So I negotiated down to ten percent, but a significant uh, deposit, and uh, that's how I got to do the the, the first set of, of four units um, away and uh, from a from a, from a uh, what they call a remote developer, remote developer, and um, I hired. My best friend at the time, who was the person who advised me to do the to do the apartment apartment, so he was my project manager from abroad, and I came home every every six weeks until we got it done.
1: And how big was that parcel of land? And what were the describe the units that you put on there size that sort of thing?
0: So, so it's interesting because that lot was. Too big for me to afford Justin. I was already carrying at least three or four mortgages, one proper house and land mortgage and small passes of land. But I, I wanted that piece of because it was another highway, as close to the, the main shopping centers, um, amazing sea view, a beach within five walking, five walk, five minutes walking distance. And so um it was twenty-two thousand square feet. That was very big. For me, I was only buying small pieces, just in like 7000 8000 9000 for singular uh dwellings and um i was able to to make a deal with the daughter of black owner who was my friend and she convinced her dad to cut it up into four small pieces and i bought a piece every 6 months for 2 years so i decided to build on one of the units one of the one of, one of the lots um the entire development would have been eight units would have cut across two lots and it was um 7200 square feet uh, per block so the units were 900 square feet um, in all uh built space 450 downstairs, two bed two bedrooms, two baths upstairs and then you have we had a depth 200 so 1,100 square feet for each unit. And we, still, we, still, we built four of them, and that was supposed to be the second half of of a long chain of row houses. So I built it on the on the block that was further away from the entrance. And I'm only now—I uh, don't know—ten years later, I'm only now, right now as we speak, Justin, we have um, the first part of this building in in awaiting uh, my permits and approval. But I've changed it. I'm no longer doing uh, four or two bedrooms. I'm doing eight.
1: Nice. And for those of us who work in the metric system, I think that's s- roughly, the site is roughly 2,200 square meters. That's correct. And so your lots yeah. were sort of about 700 square meters.
0: you so- by like 10, roughly, yes. right?
1: Yep, yep, roughly. And, and so what, you had two down
0: below, so they're like apartments. It's 10 houses. Yeah. So you have when you, when you walk in, you you and I always believe in that. I don't know, I don't know if you do that as well, uh, but I always believe when you open that front door, you must see something amazing. So I always have open plan, looking straight to the sea, straight to the view. So downstairs you enter kitchen, dining, living, balcony, a porch, then you go upstairs and under the staircase I have the washer dryer and a powder room. When you go on the top floor, you have two ensuite bathrooms. Of course, the one in the front as a balcony overlooking the view of the sea. Well, when because, you're living you know, We have four doing... identical units. You know.
1: When you develop in the Caribbean, I think it's probably a bit easier to have an amazing view when you open the door and look out to the sea.
0: <laughs> just, I don't know where Bondi Beach is, but I want to come and see it before I go to Brisbane.
1: Uh, well, to you'll, uh, you'll be struggling to get uh, 20,000 square feet of developable land overlooking Bondi Beach, but <laughs> well, you've got sure. just as good views there. And so you've finished those four units and they're all completed and sold.
0: Yes, we finished those, those four units. Um, that was 2011. I moved to the, uh, tax-free jurisdiction. Just not, I did not get the loan until like 2013, until like 2013. And, uh, uh we start building late 2013, 2014 and i came back home 2015 with about uh, 3 months to go um, and what 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 i did was was not common because i priced it specifically for a a particular market um, i always wanted to look i always wanted to create a product for the diaspora market which which uh encompasses and of caribbean nationals living in the us uk and canada um, these people, they always wanted to have, they always want to have a property back home. They typically come home once a year or, or twice a year, maybe two weeks at a time, uh, but they don't want a house. And certainly, as, you know, my cousins always tell us, they don't want to live in the granny's house anymore just then. You know, most of our grandparents' and parents' houses, we have no air-conditioned units. And this generation now, we, we live on air-conditioned units, we live on, Big screen TVs and the 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 modern accommodation amenities. So I wanted to price it under two hundred thousand US dollars. Recognizing though that it would be small, we got we got some pretty bad reviews from local realtors. But I knew what my target market was. I didn't care what they said. Said it's just too small. You know who's going to want this? And and um sometimes that feedback is is good. uh, But I done enough uh, research around that segment uh, and the price point. Uh, prior to that, there was no other condo available, modern amenities, sea view, gated, pool, for under three hundred thousand US, two ninety five US, and I was at one eighty six. So, so I knew that that you know there was demand. Uh, the biggest challenge that that we had for selling those units. Was the onerous, uh were the onerous requirements of banks to give loans to non-residents? Um, whereas, you know, if you a resident, you pay what maybe five percent. Justin, if you were a Saint Lucian abroad, or Dominican, or, or Antiguan abroad in the US and UK, you want to get a loan in the jurisdiction of where the property has title, they can charge you up to thirty-five percent deposit. And that was a headache. So, um, a couple of my buyers were cash buyers, and, and the other had to go through a long process. As part of, as part of my, my 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 model, I always keep one of my units, at least one. I try to keep twenty five percent of the stock, and I know you discussed that for yourself as well. I try to keep twenty five percent of the stock, but um, yeah, I always keep. I always keep at least at least one unit. So I've sold three and I've
1: kept one. Yeah. So in Australia, we would call that expatriate market. And there is there is also stock that's designed and sold to that kind of market. And also for investors, it's quite common to have a sort of 20 to 30% um, uh, deposit for a loan. So tell us how you marketed the properties to those potential buyers. Did you use a local agent? Did you do it yourself? How did that work?
0: Yeah, so what I did, and that was early days, um, early days on on social media before Instagram. So it was Facebook and uh, Twitter. Twitter. What I did, I, I I targeted agents in those markets. So I went online. I made calls. I got agents in in Toronto. I got agents in New York, in Miami, and in London. And, um, I, I also advertised in, uh, major diaspora magazines. Uh, and the difference between a diaspora and the ex, expatriate market is the expatriate could be from anywhere, but the diaspora is from your region. So, so I would sponsor prizes like a suitcase, a suitcase or a suitcase, um, symbolic, you know, at a, at a dinner for even independence events. So, for example, if you have, you know, Aussies in the UK and for for Australia independence, you might have a banquet. So I would sponsor a prize, you know, in a banquet for St. Lucian independence, for Barbados independence. So that's what I did. And that was okay because the prizes prizes were small, 300 $400 US. But then, you know, it got ticklish because one of the agents felt that like she was working and she wasn't getting the sale. So she wanted me to pay her for her time. You know, I would buy the tickets for the banquet. Um, and so that relationship, you know, didn't last very long. And by that time, I'd already I'd already taken out advertisements in uh, in a lot of those booklets for those events. And so there was a lot of interest already.
1: And so did you manage those sales or were they done through agents?
0: No, I did. I managed all, this, all the sales. The first sale was through that first agent and I managed the other sales myself. Um it's 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 pretty free. It's 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 free and it's inexpensive. Um and come from the corporate world, just in uh as, as in the corporate communications world, we know what advertising is, how expensive advertising is through traditional media. So for example, if I were to advertise on television, national television, for let's say a four-week campaign, couple of spots per day, it would be about a thousand five hundred US dollars. And that's that's only terrestrial TV or cable TV. For twenty US dollars on Instagram, or on Facebook, on Google Ads, I get 20,000 impressions, and and that proved you know quite quite useful and and it's it's a big advantage for us, you know, with, with the availability of such affordable advertising now.
1: Yes, I remember an old saying around um, advertising that. Fifty percent of advertising works. The only problem is we don't know which fifty percent is working.
0: <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> so you're spending a lot of money to but, find but, out. But we had we had but we had a, we had a ready market, so I knew I knew where they were. The biggest challenge was helping them get financing.
1: And so that was on the ground. So you were supporting them. So how does that? Do you have brokers yeah. in Australia? We have what's called brokers that liaise with lenders and can guide you through all that? Yeah. How does it work in St. Lucia?
0: So, so our landscape is not so sophisticated. So, all I did is contact three banks that I work with, uh, three loan officers who would have interviewed me for my project and I would have chosen the, the most favorable one or the one who offered the most favorable terms. Um, and so, I would say, hey, there are loads of people who want to buy condos in St. Lucia and the Caribbean, you know, can I? Can I? You know, give them your information. They say, "Of course, of course." And so I just funnel. I funnel every inquiry I, I got to all three uh, loan officers, and they took it from there.
1: And so, how did uh, the sale work? We, we would call that an off-the-plan sale here. And usually, you would get a ten percent deposit with the rest paid on completion, depending on how it's structured. But what, how did it work for you? How does it work over there?
0: Justin I never do off-plan sales. I'm 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 too risk averse for that. Um and because you know I, I I'm not I'm still not a full-time property developer. You know you still have a day job, you still have your obligations and the last thing you want is to is to to find yourself to be embroiled in a scandal where it's in the media in the press that you took deposits and you couldn't deliver. So I took all the risks and I only sold the properties when they were finished, and that. And I will continue doing it that way. In as far as I can, for as long as I can, um, we get offers like right now for the for the new for the units one to one to four because we've done units four to eight. Um, I have six six sales or six expressions of interest, uh, six sales, and they're all offering me deposits, and I'm not accepting them. Um, I told them if they want to, they can they can put it in escrow with their own lawyer, but I'm not accepting it because too many things could happen, and and I do not want to 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 have people deposits, and cannot deliver.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So with the first four that you finished, did you build? The, did you get expressions of interest and then build, or did you build and try and get buyers along the way and then settle everything when it was finished? So
0: so the latter, the latter, because I was building them for more for myself, as my investment. So I always say because 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 my criteria were so strict, I always de- describe my criteria as a recession buffer because of where where it is and the size of it. Uh, I was very comfortable that it could rent and give me you know just as much as forty percent positive cash flow. So I was comfortable with that, so if I don't sell it, I just rent it. And that's my model today as well. That's still my model today.
1: I um, know yeah. I know that,
0: I know that um, in my feasibility, I'd have to add that in for my revenue, but I don't mind that. I think it, I feel safer that way.
1: That's interesting. And so then tell us a bit about construction in St. Lucia. Is it challenging, costly,
0: timely? So so I'm learning that my last building um I built uh, maybe three years ago four years, three, four years ago um three years ago just just, just so i I, I ended It's just at the start of covid um construction to the quality that we're looking for right now is about three hundred and ten um it's it's about a hundred and 110 us dollars a square foot so that's what that's what 110 us dollars a square foot um and when i built three years ago it would have been in the region of seventy five seventy five dollars so you have an additional what thirty 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 five dollars three dollars on yeah. the rate thirty five dollars, forty maybe. So it's increased. It's increased by about thirty percent at least, at least. Um, and and the challenge that you have is getting quality labor, you know, when you want it. Um, supervision is still challenging. Um, in your, in, in, in I, I followed you for for a long time, um, and I hear you talk about your contracts with your builders. Um, and even now, I think your your, your last podcast was. Th- there is the dilemma of builders now not being able to guarantee a fixed a fixed price contract because of rising uh, building material costs. So, so my model is is I I I don't give full price contracts. So I still try to pay for my own materials because there is a contractor discount of twenty percent. So, I have a contractor's account and i will tell you though not all builders will go into that arrangement so you have to get the the builder who's willing to do that for you and you pay him labor plus plus a little bit you know so so for me that was how i was able to save um it's a little more than a labor-only contract but i procure um i have accounts and they go and charge on the account the materials Uh, that's how you save money and and and, and, i and i will say of the bad for, for, for our listeners that many builders will probably not want that arrangement there is there is comfort in having a fixed price contract so you know that you know this is what you paid for and this is what you're supposed to get but with the dynamic pricing now that itself could be challenging so so you uh, but you still have to go on your site every day sometimes twice a day you know, and, and and hope that the challenges are not insurmountable because you will get challenges. For me, the biggest question that that you want you want to answer just in every single time is whether or not the builder stuck to the approved drawings and it did put as much of the prescribed materials, the 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 size of the steel, the thickness of the concrete, that's what you want to make sure happen.
1: Yeah, so it's uh, still uh, an area that you need to focus on here when you're when you give the whole contract to the builder. You still have to make sure that they're doing all that stuff anyway. What about how long did that building take? The four uh,
0: townhouses. So anywhere from from nine nine to twelve months, but on average nine months. Because okay. it won't huge, not usually well, nine, nine months. months. Uh, but then but then what what you find happening with with those types of arrangements where you do subcontracts within the project is that no one is accountable. So I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really recommend it unless you have a solid team of people that you've been working with before. Uh, I have a a simple issue like windows. You know, you bring in the window contractor and the window contractor tells you, no, 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 those lines are not straight. And the builder says, no, it's nonsense, they're straight. Uh, And so if you have leaks, no one takes accountability for it, as opposed to having one contract, the builder, you're responsible, you get it fixed.
1: Yes, that's absolutely you know? So great.
0: nine months on average, yeah. Uh,
1: and then take us a step back in terms of how do you go about getting approvals to do something like that? Do you, If you're in a British colony or an ex-British colony, you probably have yes. a similar planning system to Australia, but walk us through how you get approval to do a project like that.
0: Absolutely. So you have the famous Development Control Authority, called them DCA. Uh, I know you, sp- you always speak about councils. We, we you know, w- Development Control Authority. They are the uh, the keepers of the lamp, and um, you need to go through uh, an architect with your design. Um, mm-hmm. There are exceptions. Um, it's changing now. In Saint Lucia, you could have done just under two thousand. 500 square feet. Or is that 250 square meters? Roughly, any, yep. yeah, yeah, any any building that doesn't get to 250 square meters or two thousand five hundred square feet, you can get a drafty to do it. So I can tell you, Justin, I've always used draftees. But again, draftees have the limitations because the draftee will draw, will will formalize my sketch. But I I I get into the building and suddenly I can't feel any breeze. <laughs> the drafty has no, no no knowledge of of ventilation, but he gave me what I wanted, you know, at ten percent of the price. So again, you have to get guidance there. So you use a, a draftsman.
1: They put a wall right at the end of your uh, entryway corridor, blocking your nice view of blocking your view. <laughs>
0: yeah. So 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 if it's under under twenty five hundred square feet or two fifty square meters, you can get a drafty. twenty five hundred square feet. And, and, and above you must have an architect um and that process is because architects are very very opinionated and quite rightly so because they need to tread the, the delicate balance of what a customer wants and what they know is best and not what they think was they, they probably know what's best in most cases and you end up somewhere in the middle so after you get your 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 architects um to do the joins, um he submits it, then it has to go through a series of of places uh health and fire, um it needs to go to solid waste, um uh and then after you get those preliminary pro- approvals, then it goes through to um electric electricals and infrastructure, and then gets to DCA. Typically, it takes anywhere between six to to eight weeks and uh, just in nothing like the two years so but a bad situation is three months
1: wow that's amazing
0: but I know we, we, we we're not dealing with you know 100 of, of the number of plans that you guys do in Australia but three months is is an average period of time to wait for for it and and typically if there's an issue um they would they'll they, they contact you via letter via mail, say, tell you you need to, to modify these things and resubmit it back. Um, and if it's if it's not major, what they would do, they would approve it pending some changes so it doesn't have to go to the board meeting. The board meeting is held once a month. So so they, they do round robin and they approve it for you. And then you can build it. But you have 365 days or one year to build. If it's beyond 365 days, you need to reapply, resubmit the plan.
1: The building doesn't have to be completed, just started. No, just started. Right. Just started. I think that's reasonable. I mean, my view is that should be the same in Australia. It should take three months to get a decision on a planning application, not six to 12 months. But Numbers, I guess. I guess. Yeah, the scale. Yeah, there well, you We pay for the privilege of applying. And anyway, I'll get off my soapbox uh what are the projects so you've got that was your first one done and dusted three out of the four sold happy buyers happy pro- property developer
0: yeah you know just get just getting your feet wet um property de- developer then you 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 go into property management that's a whole different story so so then i came i came back home and um i left i left where, where i was i came back home and uh uh quote unquote retired I thought I did, uh, because I was always looking to retire at 40. I came back at 41. And, you know, I spent the next year building right across from the first lot we had. Uh, Just I tried to get that that lot, and the owner said he wasn't selling. So right across from my first house. And um, eventually he sold it, and uh, we bought it. And after watching, you know, two hundred episodes of podcasts or three hundred episodes of podcasts from all over the world, including the property developer podcasts, um, watch every episode of Grand Design. You know, I just literally scouring the internet for those shows. I got this crazy idea. to told my my wife, "Let's sell the house. Let's sell the house."
1: Always a great idea to take to your wife. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it took it took her. It took her. I don't know six months, seven months to change her mind, and we finally agreed to do it. Um, but you have to. You have to sell obviously the benefits, and, and 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 partners are good in in this in these cases because they they give you some sobering reality. So so I'm off, no longer working. You know, you get your your nest egg. It's in your hands. You know. Um, and so I decided to do a four-story building right across the road. But the first thing I have to do, of course, just in the top floor, is rebuild my house, my wife, a house. So, so you, you build it four floors because it was on a slope, overlooking an amazing view. So you build a house on, on top, and you put the slabs below. So I had three more slabs, and we put six more units below. So we move into the house, and I spend the next uh, year and a half, Populating six more units below. Um, roughly 900 square feet, each unit, two bedroom, two bath. Um, this was my third project because building a house first. The four units, it's my third project. So you're a little you're a little you're a little more comfortable with it. Um yeah, now that, that was challenging by itself because now you're building from your own cash. You know, that that's a different story altogether because. It's like you, you're taking money from from one place, hey, Justin, and you're creating something with it that's supposed to feed you, because because then that would have been my my new salary from those six units, and uh, we, we we did it, and uh, same thing got it done, but chose not to, chose not to sell it, because there was no mortgage on it, chose not to sell it. So in effect, that became, that became my salary, but I was um, two most maybe the two most amazing years of my life because. I got to learn so much more about myself, so much more about people. Um, and it's a bug. As It's addictive, Justin. When you start doing you come every day on the site. You want to see what's happening. It's it's an amazing experience. Amazing experience. So but by, by, by that time, just, just like, I don't know, I'm sure, just like you, every salesperson in the hardware store knows you by your first name. You know, they want to see the project too. And, and actually I felt bad because I felt like all of these clerks were helping me. You know, and I was telling them what I was doing because they asked questions. And, I, and you try to encourage them to, to start looking at stuff for themselves, whether it's for, for promotion or for self development. I said, I wish they could see like, what they're contributing to. You know, so I was able to bring maybe a couple of them different times to see the project, to see what it... I said, All of your advice, this is where it is. So I thank you for it. This is what you actually do. This is how you impact the lives of other people. So never, never underestimate or kind. Of what you're doing and how to restore because you really make people comfortable and you 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 give people home
1: oh it's unbelievable how many people that are involved in a project when you sit down and actually think about it from the the designers and the builders and all the administrators in those businesses and the suppliers along the way it's huge uh huge ripple effect that it can have you just mentioned those two years were amazing in terms of what you learned about yourself and others. What were some of the key things
0: that you learned about yourself? Why well, I, le- I learned that I was a lot more uh, resilient than I, I I thought I was because any day you could you could have literal tragedy and accident on the site. Um, any day you could come and see a wall built where it was not supposed to be um, you could actually pay people for for jobs and they never show up um, the, the, your, your ability to, to take the good and the bad and still present a brave face to people on the project but guess what Justin, more so to your wife who knows how much money you put into this project Uh, You you, you can't just come home and give all the bad news. You you also have to say, you you can't just come home and give good news. You also have to say what's what's happening, especially if they come to visit. So I learned about people as well. Um, You know, you can't make anybody do what they they don't want to. Um, And maybe integrity is not as, as common as you would have thought. And that you're very, very naive, very, very naive, you know, about the world. Um, and in as much as you, as much as you think, okay, if I treat my workers good, if I treat work as good, you go the extra mile, then you will get repaid back with loyalty. The, 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 the doesn't always happen. In fact, it happens less often than not. Yeah.
1: Yes, it's very true about the little. It can be lonely sometimes being a property developer because. No one really understands all the issues and challenges and problems that you're facing along the way. Some of them are small, some of them are big. But you're actually the only person that really full understands the full picture. So that's why I can be a bit. And, and I, yeah. so it's one of the reasons. Every,
0: I everybody, the podcast. yeah. Everybody, I was just about. To, I was just about to say that. It, it also gave me purpose, um, and I wanted to share I, because, like, I felt like some of the mistakes I made. I wanted, I wanted to share, I wanted to share, I wanted people, more people to know about it. So you you can do this too. It can help you achieve, you know, some of your, your goals. But you know, if you're doing this, if you're going to go and invest in this, make sure you know these things. And so that's why I, I started a podcast and 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 just I thought about it for years, like seven years before, all the time from 2011. Uh, I'm in this country and I'm watching, consuming three episodes a day, you know, and I'm seeing a You Can tell a podcast people are going to say you don't know, and you have to do something first, you have to do this many times over because you're an authority on anything, you don't know anything, you just started. And it it took some time for you to feel comfortable to, to put yourself out there, it's very scary. But when you do, if you have the right motive, you know, it's very rewarding, it's very rewarding.
1: And so, uh, so you started a podcast and you're now helping. Caribbean Property Investors tell us more about
0: that what's that involve Yeah so we started the Caribbean Property Investment podcast um because my, my interest my interest in sharing came from uh, economic empowerment we, we don't have as many uh, jobs as in Australia and developed countries we do have many companies and businesses um and our economies are you know micro economies compared to to develop countries. And so typically, if you have a cadre of highly qualified, highly, highly educated people, you only have a few places, you know, for, for, for them to work at. And in, in, in our case, what was happening, we saw a higher level of attrition, you know, uh, and disposal actually at the executive level. Because every time the company changed, because it was, a, it was a, a multinational. Every time the company changed, um, I had new leadership. They would bring in all of their own people. So one time it was Ericsson, were all these Ericsson guys. Then Motorola, you know. Then AT and T, and and um, it didn't matter how good you were. If you're not if you're not affiliated with those people, or if you don't just toe the line, you know. Don't challenge too much. Just do what you have to do, you know. And, and make no noise then you probably that's the only way you survive and always be available all these weekends that's how you keep your job and that's what that's why I, I thought it was too hard and I felt like nobody should actually be going through that um I have to worry especially and, and and if you have you know emergencies you know typical savings probably won't allow you to to cover them without going for a loan and I and I, I felt I wanted to share how you break the middle class I call it the middle class poverty cycle and the middle class we live on, on, on debt, you know, and if there's one in an exogenous event, we can't survive. You know, the, the best people in the middle class have, what they say, just maybe six months salary, maybe the best six months to eight months, the best, you know, whereas most people have one or two months. You know, I know my accountant always advised me before, back then, always have one year, but I, th- I think that right now you probably need to have at least two years salary. So if you lose your job, you get some time. And so I wanted to help people, you know, get to a point, one, where they have this more disposable income, or two, if they lost their job, they would still have some contribution towards their mortgage, some contribution that could help send the children to school and could cover their expenses. Um, I don't think I'm, I'm good with money at all. I, I I didn't budget. I budget the property projects when I budget myself, because property project to me, that's borrowed money just in. That's borrowed money. <laughs> I have to pay back the board money, you know, um, and so you 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 pay a little more attention to that. So, so we started the podcast to just try to to interview people, to share their experiences. And for me, it was just so enjoyable. For me, I was learning so much, and I always my experience was always this: anyone who I approach on a on a construction side doing a project or anywhere else, I was always welcome. I always got a good reception. And property developers like to share. I have never received, you know, uh, a decline, a refusal. If I came on a project, you know, respect and ask a question, they always, they always shared. And I felt that we had an obligation that what we, what we, we, we we, what was shared, what was shared with us by someone else, I think we have to pay it forward. And so that's why the podcast is we interview people every, every fortnight. It's challenging. As, as you know, I'm not at number. Oh, you're at number 86 now. I'm still at number 35. I want to start back a new series. But the idea is to get people from every island and, 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 and discover the unique nuances and differences in the process, you know, in the in the environment, in the in the, the markets, um, in the industries, and, and see how we can share. But the whole objective is for economic empowerment and to offer people choice.
1: So you it sounds like you operate a a
0: build-to-rent type model now. No, well, I what I call I call it BHSR. B, B, so build, hold, sell, and rent. So I always keep because because so, so because I, I borrow the money up front from the bank. I have to pay it back. Um, and holding the strategy that I use, I don't hold for capital growth. I I, I, I don't because all of the mortgages. You know, single mortgages, um, and so the typical model is roughly four units. Two covers, two covers the cost. Two cover the cost, sorry, and I have two more. So I might sell one for cash to reinvest in a new project, but I always keep one. Um, and the idea, I just 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 rinse and repeat. After we finish the 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 seven unit project where I live now, um, just before the pandemic. I always wanted to, to have some property in the in the nice area in the really, really most high end, most high in area in the country. And it was tough. But Justin, I had a habit of driving every Saturday. I just like driving every Saturday and look for property, look for places. Of course, call numbers. I have a coffee and I drive. And um, we got a situation where it was a, a expat couple, they're from France, and they were getting divorced. And uh, my my friend knew about the property. He didn't want it because it's too steep, and I got it like a uh, sixty cents on the dollar. And uh, I built. My friends convinced, convinced me uh, to we we, we we have a little network, a little network one uh, real realtor, uh, one architect, procurement guy, uh, one builder, and myself. We met every Saturday for coffee, and share, we were We all building, all building, and that realtor. We'd sell our properties. I will tell you though, you know, we had an issue because because that realtor wanted exclusive on all the properties. And most times we gave her the exclusive for for a specified period of time. And so um he said, you know what, the model that you're doing, why don't you just build one house? So just I started. I said I'm gonna build one house and sell it and get some cash out to something different. I started. Do you know that the day we had to submit the plans, I said I couldn't do it. So I made him ma- made him do a modification, made it wider, split it in two. So instead of having one, because we had we had a complex with two units but three floors, because it's a high end area, next level pricing, next level amenities and finishing. So I had two units, uh, three floors, three bedrooms. You walk in kitchen, living, dining, amazing view of the golf course, um, Atlantic views on the on the right, Caribbean views on the left, and you step down bedroom two, bedroom three, bedroom three, and all the way down is the master suite. So, com- time for construction. Just you know, you know what I did? I said I don't need two, three bedrooms. The two bottom master suites, I made the con- contractor join them, and I made a third unit. So instead of having three. Two three bedrooms, I did three two bedrooms. Can't it's, help yourself. I, I can't, and, and 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 but but I think you you, you said something in, in your book. And by the way, everybody should get a copy of become million dollar property developer. Everybody should get a copy. In your book, you spoke about um, best use of land, and if you were to ask me what I would have done differently if I would to start off now knowing what I know, is the imagination that you have because of education and knowledge. Chalk and cheese, no comparison. That first place I spoke to you about where we did the first four units and now we're doing the second, second four units, I should have put three stories. At the bottom, Justin, a plaza, strip mall. So we have like hairdressers or a deli and then put two stories on top. That would have been and because it's four, it's, it's a big lot, twenty four, twenty two thousand square feet. And then put parking. I would have had. I could have had eight units, same way on top. But I at the bottom. I would have had um, retail space.
1: Uh, if only we could go back and change time, hey. And so, tell yep. me, have you uh, managed to get your man cave after all of this? Project
0: development. I, I i now, you know, what my friend told me when I when it, when it, one of the reasons he gave me after after he told me I should not be doing it, and I so I told I asked him. So what, when I come home, what am I going to do? He said I'm going to pay to take you out to play pool. I bring you to a bar to play pool. <laughs> so no, no. So so I've traded just I've traded my man cave for vacations <laughs> for vacations. Just did just did um, Europe there with the kids and amazing amazing uh, trade the market for vacations any day.
1: And just uh, what's the depth like on the the property markets then in Saint Lucia?
0: In terms of demand, mm. very very strong demand. Um, the, the the segment and the niche I play in is not one that is. I don't think anybody's is, is tackling it. Yet. Just you have a, a situation in Australia, just like the, the UK and most Caribbean countries, there isn't enough stock for locals. There isn't, and that's a fact. Um, but because of the limited budget and the size of land that I'm buying, the place I'm I'm the place I play in, which is self-mortgage, self self well, bank financing based on on self-equity. Um, I, I only do small developments. Um, generally, there is a, a big push for luxury. So, 3 million US dollars, 2 million US dollars. But I mean, these are typically expats, not locals doing that. So, these are typical uh, expats, speculators. They buy property in the most high areas and they build luxury mansions. I'm going to see them. I want to finish in. I want to see if I can learn some tricks, you know, of some execution, some interpretations of the space. But but that 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 has space. My market I was always looking for an upper middle class professional with Caribbean roots who probably has a home in the US and UK already and wants something that they could invest in. Um, They could come spend a couple of weeks a year, but when it's not there, we rent. And so that is become a little more acute. So instead of putting units one to four to finish that first development, I'm putting unit one, one A, two, two A, three. So I'm doing eight units, eight one bedrooms. And I'm running as a, as a mini hotel, short-term rental. So, and, in, and in my space, what what the units I keep, I do a split of maybe 50-50. So I do 50 long-term to anchor it. And I do 50 short-term Airbnb, VRBO, booking.com. So I have a balance. And interestingly, during the pandemic, we didn't suffer. In the pandemic, you were full. People people needed somewhere somewhere to stay. Even expats who, who lived live abroad, just them, they couldn't travel, so so they filled the unit. And we got sales during the pandemic because people who were always thinking of of investing back home during the ban- pandemic, the life changed. People died. People, the relatives died. And so they, they were motivated to buy, and I didn't have enough stock, and they bought.
1: Yeah, I really like how you've thought through and targeted a very specific audience, because I don't think and a lot of small-scale property developers really give much consideration to that. They just they might say, "I'm targeting first home buyers or "This is for a family home." But that's kind of where they stop. They don't dig a little deeper and maybe niche down a little bit further if they can. So it's, just, it's yeah. interesting that you've gone very specific. I like it.
0: Be- because because you are responsible for the debt uh, and you have a, a wife who reminds you that you, your actions can affect the family, um, you, you want to try to go for as sure a bit as possible so you do your homework and you you don't you don't get too big. And that's one of the the, the issues that that you get with developing. It's very easy to bite off more than you can chew. Um and you spoke of that in your in your podcast. Um getting mentors. You know, I have a mentor and he is frugal. I call him cheap. He's cheap, but he's my guy. You know, he was the one who introduced me to the Starbucks cup. You buy it for $2 and you get like 40 cents off your coffee. So you'll be walking everywhere with that Starbucks cup. And we played tennis. or so We used to play tennis and it was dark. He said, okay, let's go, let's go. I said, let's finish the match. It's two cents. Let's finish the match. He said, no, we are paying for lights. I said, how much for the lights? Six dollars. <laughs> I said, let's finish the match. He said, no, I said, you know, the secret of being rich is staying rich. So I'm not rich, but that's what he said to me. I, and it took me a long time to understand it. I and mean, he was just talking about frugality. just talking about once you, you 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 set yourself your budget, you stick to your budget, and and he said never bet your house. He told me you never bet your house. So as he told me, as a as an aspiring as an aspiring small developer, aspiring developer, never bite of more than you can chew. So do not put up your base to secure a bet. Do not put up your base to secure a bigger project. And so, you know. I say you stay in your segment you become very good in your segment you become well known in your segment and then you scale your processes and the project size but you 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 don't go out don't go out too much don't bet more than you can more than you can lose easy because you get offers all the time just you get venture offers all the time and you could you could, you could. if it's no space. You know, do a joint venture to minimize your capital injection, and so that's where that's where I am now, doing a couple of joint ventures now.
1: Yeah, it's really good advice. I think I, that's the word that I used in my book: is being frugal. That's so, correct. Don't be cheap; be frugal. Uh, <laughs> I like that that's word. Correct. I think it's better than being cheap. but well, it is. It's very different. So, and yes, when you decide or if you're looking to go bigger you usually have two options to either do more of the same size or to scale up and do um bigger projects and sometimes that can be a big stretch so and that may not be something that people are comfortable doing so you just want to stay within your somewhere within your comfort zone i think Got to sleep at night
0: yeah yeah it, and at, at at a point in time, you should, you know, look for look for help. You should look for help and you, you pay for it. And you you, sp- you speak about it as well in your book, you know, getting a good team around you. You know, and and, and the more time you spend on that team, the more projects you get under your belt, the more you build trust, you build mutual respect, you know, and you keep keep that team growing and and stay close to that team. Don't be, you said, you know, don't be don't be stingy, you know, you, you get what you pay for. Um, I by the way, by the way I think I'm I'm a little more frugal than you. When I read your book, I'm like, mm, boy, yeah. You know, can I save a little bit more hair? <laughs> you know, but like, but but and that, that's that's just that's specifically around the type of services. Um and you speak of you you're getting the first rate, you know, in all of the professional skills and it it because if you don't, the price you pay for shorty work or for shorty advice, it's it's not it's not worth it. Um, you know, I've had Couple of bad experiences with some plumbers. Plumbing is is, <laughs> is not the it's not the most expensive uh, part of your infrastructure, but it could be your most ticklish. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's very true. <laughs> could be, uh, yeah, it's uh, some stinky problems to resolve, and pl- all the pipes yep. are hidden, aren't they? So it's always difficult to try and fix. A broken
0: pipe that's in a wall somewhere. So I'm open to new ideas. So some of the, just the, the key changes that we make is that we don't put pipes in slabs anymore. We Put them in walls, you know, and it's still tricky then because, because if you have multi, multi levels, it might run the ceiling. And, you know, I've had a leak of a floor that affected the ceiling of the bottom floor. So it's still tricky. I hope we're not discouraging anybody from being the property developer.
1: That's well, more the, uh, part of the big part of it is problem solving and learning things to help avoid problems in the future.
0: Listen, you have to be calm. You have to be even keel. You 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 cannot overreact. You you won't last. You have to be calm, and you have to to see the upside in, in everything. But you also have to see the signs as well. Know when to cut your losses because some of us, you know, we give people second and third chances and it's no change. And somebody on the outside can say, why is this person still there? Sometimes you need to make those tough calls as well.
1: Yes. I think that's what experience is, just understanding when that moment arrives to make the tough call. Yep. All right. Well, Anselm, it's been awesome talking to you about developing in the Caribbean. I've, got the i do follow you on instagram so i see the photos that you post about your projects and they look amazing the, the locations are incredible with the views out over the blue water <laughs> usually when i'm looking at them in winter i kind of sigh and think i think i'd much rather be over there but anyway is have you got any last parting comments or requests where can people get in touch with you if they want to find out more
0: yeah, I mean, the, the one piece of advice I have, the first piece of advice to any of the listeners, make sure you get Justin's book. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, I, I'm a developer, and I, I've, I've referred to it more than once in the last couple of days uh, for specific sections. You know, if you don't like re- reading, you, you don't have to read all one time. You can read by sections. So if you want to talk about your feasibility, if you want to talk about building your team, you know, you can go into each section, so it's a it's a good it's a good guide for me actually. Even even though we have different um, uh, different processes, uh, as in as in approval processes, uh, the the values, the lessons, the preparation, they are all the same uh, because it's problem solving. As I said, no matter what part of the world that you're in, because you are providing a, a service to people. In most instances, it's probably the the biggest investment. Um, in their lives, so I, I also follow the podcast. You can check out my podcast uh, at Caribbean Property Investing. Uh, we also have a website, CaribbeanPropertyInvesting.com or check us out on on Instagram or Facebook. And our developments are called uh, Calabash Condos, C A L A B A S H Condos. And the reason why is Calabash Justin because Calabash is our national tree, the national tree. I think I think you have the Calabash tree in Australia as well. It's like a gourd, and they they empty the gourd and they make like bowls and stuff with it.
1: Yes, I've I've had more long... more, more I guess in the rural areas. Yes, I've um, enjoyed more than one calabash of beer in my time. You might be surprised to hear.
0: <laughs> you be, it? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, I'd love to come to Australia. I plan to come next year, and you know, you might see me walking down beach bitriper uh, pink you know a
1: oh, i can i think you would make a very <laughs> striking uh, image doing that you probably i don't think that you'd stand out though that's the problem you'd look pretty uh, pretty normal down that way <laughs>
0: <laughs> no but but I, I i i love the the australian property um landscape i watch a lot of australian programs i love the architecture the scandinavian the outdoor i watch uh, Lux, Lux list in Sydney, on Prime. <laughs> um, I watch I watch Grand Design Australia. So I'm I'm coming. I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming.
1: Well, there's uh, Sydney's got the nice sort of harbour views, the water views. Maybe some of you probably could be a new project uh, somewhere up there.
0: Just you know what I, I was telling a friend of mine. I said I don't need a big piece. Give me give me what? What you want to give me? A uh, hundred square meters? Can I can I get a plot? I just be like the thin house. Just go up with the balcony, but no, I, I want to congratulate you as well and and encourage you because it's because of people like you. You got me, you got me inspired to to do it, to to take action. So I want to thank you for 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 what you do, um, and um, I look forward to 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 meeting in person.
1: Thank you. You and- see, you
0: see, you have, you have an impact just in all the way across the world.
1: Yeah, well, saying to you off uh, recording, you're almost literally on the other side of the world to where I am, which is quite funny, but thank you for saying that. We might have to organize a Caribbean property developing tour.
0: Make it happen. We'll
1: organize it it at the same time as the Australian cricket teams touring around uh, doing a West Indian tour. (laughs) That could work.
0: Once it happens... We will meet up. I promise.
1: <laughs> all right, Anselm, it's been so awesome having you on the property developer podcast. Thanks for being my first Caribbean guest. Hopefully, uh, not the last. And I wish you all the best with all your projects. And hopefully, we cross paths on a sandy beach somewhere in the Caribbean someday.
0: Likewise, right, Jason, Good luck with your projects that you have right now, and you know, congrats again on the podcast, the book, and the property developer training. Thank you very much. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Property Developer Podcast. Tune in next time for more tips, ideas and inspiration to take your developing to the next level. For more developing love, make sure to visit propertydeveloperpodcast.com.